Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Well, hello. Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Forecast. It's a podcast. It's a forecast and a podcast. It's all kinds of casts. Um, it's a very special Monday pickups edition. You know the drill. Uh, Andy Barron's here to help guide you. I am joined by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski, there's a reminder that apparently the NHL season starts very soon, like in a couple days. Whoa. But we're here to talk NFL. And the, I feel like the degree of difficulty really got ratcheted up this week because the bye weeks are back. Um, we've got the Falcons, the Jets, the Saints, the Niners all on bye. We had a bunch of significant, significant injuries in uh, in week five. So lots to talk about here. The waiver wire itself is, is dark and full of terrors. And uh, so we'll try to guide you through it. Scott, how are you? Good. And you're right. Um, hockey starts Tuesday. Waiver wire is a mess. Players are injured. Even guys like Russell Wilson, who never get hurt, are hurt. So um, I know the, the listener is here for probably 50 minutes of Geno Smith talk, um, which will steer us away from, <laughs> from Andy Barron's 50 minutes of Iowa football talk that he probably had planned. But, um, but welcome. We'll try to get through it together. And let me just say one thing about the bye weeks. And, and I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, oh, I hate bye weeks. You know, I want to, I want to play Alvin Kamara. He's not doesn't have a game, jerk. This is when trading season. I think always starts yeah. with bye weeks because now there are people in your league who are going to be one and four, two and three, and they have problems. They have needs because they have injuries. They have a bad record. They have players they can't. They, they need you know Kyle Pitts this week. They can't use them. Whatever it is, Cordell Patterson for crying out loud. So now you have people with motivation. Nobody wants to trade in September. Everybody feels good about their team, and nobody has problems like injuries and bye weeks. Now they're here. Now people have urgency. So if you are one of those 0-5, 1-4 teams, for one thing, I salute you for actually listening to this podcast not giving up. you got to figure out how you get a win this week. you got to start winning. you got to start winning out or you know going on a 7-1 run. If you're one of those 5-0 or 4-1 darlings, you start picking off these teams. Take advantage of people who need to win now and start. You don't need maybe the help immediately. People are going to have different requirements for what their team needs. This is the first time all year people are going to be motivated to trade. Nobody wants to trade in September, but people want to trade once bye week season comes in because the season has some personality to it. There are teams that are desperate. There are teams that are playing with leverage, and that makes for easy trades sometimes. Yeah, it's a really good point. And one of the things, you know, I, I wrote about this in the in the Fantasy Plus newsletter a couple of weeks ago, started looking at uh, playoff probabilities based on how you began a season, right? 3-0 and versus 0-3. And, and even at 0-3, and 
you know, your your playoff odds are down to like 16, 17 percent, depending on the size of your league and the playoff pool and all that. So it gets late early in fantasy leagues is what we're saying. And if you're if you're that one in four team, um, this, like it's the playoffs, you you got to win. Um, you're 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 pretty much facing a winner go home scenario. Like I have an example of a team that I had that started 0 and 5, won a title, but I've been doing this for like 25 years and that's happened once. I feel like everybody's got their one isolated story of the 1 and 4 team or the 0 and 5 team that went on a crazy run, but it's not that's not a plan, right? <laughs> like what what you got to do is win now. Um and so there are people looking very short term um and there are, you know, there are people who are who are going to be 4 and 1, 5 and 0 that are in position to look deep into the season and maybe you can start taking a peek at December schedules and who exactly you want to have in your starting lineup in December. Um, that definitely happens. So anyway, it's a good point. And that really kicks in once the bye weeks get underway, which, Hey, we're in it now. Um, this is when, this is when real transactions, uh, are occurring across the board and man, the waiver wire has actually never looked a, a little bit. I, I mean, I feel like some of the guys that we're going to be forced into bids on this week are kind of gross. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about all that in a second. First, I have a little pre-show business. I have a little, little pre-pickups business that I want to get into and, and already hinted at it. Uh, after all the injuries that hit the NFL this week, chances are your fantasy football team could use maybe just a little tiny bit of help, a little, a little something. Uh, and there's no better way to get that help than to sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Explore features like the Trade Hub, the Research Assistant, Cheat Sheets, plus a weekly newsletter that I lovingly craft um, to assist and entertain you. So get your free seven-day trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus right now at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Whew, that was a lot of stuff. Um, Let's admit it. Let's admit it. We wanted to call that the the Barron's Plus um, (laughs) upsell. Not not to be confused with my own competing product. Yahoo Fantasy Plus won the voting. It was very close. There was a lot of Barron's Plus support. a lot of it coming from the Chicago area, but, but very, very inexpensive for the, the for the Barons Plus program. The Barons Platinum program is something different entirely. Uh, you have to get you have to get pre-approved for that. Um, contact my attorneys, um, Scott. I want to ask you one thing right off the top. Um, exactly how much trouble are the Chiefs in? The defense is broken. Uh, the running Terrible. back is hurt. Yeah. Um, teams have. I realize Tyree Kill went bananas in two weeks uh, two weeks ago against Philly, but teams have been. Slowing down Tyree Kill, I think they've been frustrating Kansas City on offense a little bit. I mean, Kansas City still moves up. Well, they've only punted just a handful of times this year, and we know that they need to clean up the turnovers. But I think it's going to be a really entertaining, like, 10-7 and football team, 11-6 football team that will not go to the Super Bowl. I feel really good that Frank Schwab and I, a week or two ago, were talking about Chargers props. And you know, I think we found some outlets where you get 5-1 to one on the Chargers. Now they're they're close to like even money. You know, they're like a, a coin flip with Kansas City. I don't see how they fix this defense. Uh, the offensive line. I mean, Orlando Brown basically held the entire game against Buffalo, and unfortunately that that officiating crew wanted to call everything they saw. That really yes, marred what could yeah. have been a fun game. Nobody. I mean, look, call the egregious stuff. You got to let some of this ticky stuff, tax stuff go. Um, you know, we, we had a long sporting day yesterday. We started in Europe, and we had a rain delay in the football game at night. Plus, you know, we had baseball all day. You know, the, the Red Sox game went for a long time. The the White Sox and Astros took a while. We don't have time. Is that for, Red Sox game over? Is the Red Sox game I think it's over, finished? yeah. The, 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 the White Sox and Astros played for a while, too. That was a, they, that was a keg tapper. A real, what a great crowd in Chicago, by the way. I'm really enthusiastic. I'm glad to see that nobody, nobody got swept, so we get four more baseball games on Monday. This will all be over by the time you're listening to this. But 
nobody wants to see those flags. But uh, Kansas City, they, they have – the thing with Kansas City is that Mahomes is the ultimate deodorant. He's the best player in the league, and, and he's a wizard. He's got a little Steph Curry in him. He's such a dreamer. He can throw from any platform. He can run the ball. He can throw deep. He, he can throw to the sideline. And you're always I – mean, I had Buffalo last night. And even when Kansas City was down 18 points and doing almost nothing right, I still thought that the specter of Mahomes could come out from, from behind the right. corner and just you know slay me anyway. And I'm sure Buffalo fans, at least realistic Buffalo fans, probably had a little bit of that fear. But at some point you have to accept the emperor has no clothes. You know, I don't know that they're going to find a running back, although we're going to try to, with Edward Solaire maybe having a major injury. The offensive line stinks, and the defense can't stop anybody. So even when they're going to win against good teams, they're going to have to put up 30-plus points. And that's a really hard way to sustain. I, again, I think they'll probably find a way into the playoffs. The AFC is not particularly strong, but this is a team with flaws. I'd be actually, I'll say this word, I'd be shocked if they went to the Super Bowl. I just don't think it's in the cards yeah. for them this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. To your point about the defense, uh, I just brought up the stats on yards per play allowed. Kansas City is giving up 7.1 yards per play. That's not only the worst in the league, it is the worst in the league by a lot. Um, it's, you know, Detroit, Jacksonville, they're like they're like a yard less per play. Um, it is it's a defense that hasn't stopped anything, obviously didn't stop Josh Allen, hasn't really stopped any opponent all year. That is that is painful. So uh, and again, to your point, Kansas City can get to 31, 35 points and they're not guaranteed of winning. Right. I, I felt like Buffalo, given um, better uh, weather and the need to do it yesterday, could have could have sort of picked their number uh, against the Chiefs. I don't I don't know how they're going to beat the great teams uh, late in the certainly late in the playoffs. Heck, I don't know how they're going to get past the the Chargers. I mean, there's multiple teams in the AFC that I don't. I don't necessarily see getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, posing a huge uh, uh, threat. I don't think anybody's afraid to go into Arrowhead either. I mean, the Chargers have already right. won there. Uh, the the Bills just won there. The Browns really should have won opening day. The Chiefs bailed that game out with about 10 good minutes in the fourth quarter. That was the, the term paper the night before, right? You know, where the, the, the Browns had studied all summer and then the, the Chiefs just showed up the night before and somehow bailed out that game. They easily could have lost to be fair they should have beaten baltimore and baltimore kind of did that to the chiefs the next week but yeah i mean look they're still incredibly watchable if they wanted to make every chiefs game an island game i'd have no problem with it because you know i love andy Reid and the denny's menu and, and mahomes kelsey and hill are just a blast we're still waiting for another receiver we're still waiting for mccall hardman or waiting for i don't know um Somebody, somebody else to, to emerge, Demarcus Robinson, or, you know, they, they just added a, a receiver's name escapes me, uh, who was good, like, Josh Gordon. Ago. Jo- yeah. Josh Gordon, right, of course. We're still waiting for that third piece to kind of come in. But I just think the Chiefs are watchable. I just think they're going to be a watchable, frustrating team right now, which, hey, that's the NFL, right? I mean, you know, again, Seattle just lost Russell Wilson. So now we have the Geno Smith experience, which actually was good for moments in that Thursday game, you know, my team, the Patriots just tried to lose to the, to the worst team in football or one of the worst teams in football, the, the urban Meyer experience. I, but I haven't shaved today. I'm not going to shave until the Jaguars fire urban Meyer or he resigns. <laughs> so, um, you know, keep that in mind. Um, keep the shave products coming, come the shave products coming. The NFL's great. It's a snow globe league. Every year For is sure. the craziest year. Every week is the craziest week. And, uh, you know, I guess at, at this point, after all this preamble, let's try to give the people some help. I don't know how much help there's here to, to be given out, but let's try to give out some of it. Yeah, let's let's start the uh, pickups review at the running back position because um, we've got some significant injuries. You've already talked about the injury to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He actually had to be carried off the field by teammates. Never a good sign. 
Saquon Barkley turned an ankle, turned it bad. Um, I think everybody's probably seen the image of his ankle on the sideline. Huge old knot there. So it, it's hard to believe that he's going to be back for week six necessarily. Um, so I think the guys that we that we need to discuss here, and I'm, you know, I've pared this down to a shorter list than I might normally have because I think there are some clear ads. Uh, we got to talk about Daryl Williams, obviously, in Kansas City. People are familiar with him, um, and that could be a, a long-term situation. Devontae Booker had a couple of touchdowns in relief of Saquon Barkley. He wasn't particularly efficient. I feel like we've had this Devontae Booker fire drill many times in many locations, right? So people know basically what they're getting in Devontae Booker. Again, not hyper-efficient or anything like that, but uh, the touchdown reception anyway, which was kind of garbage time, um, was uh, at least a nice play by him. Alex Collins, I feel like has carved out a bit of a role, even when uh, Chris Carson comes back. Maybe that's maybe that's me being a little bit too reactionary, or maybe there's a little recency bias there. But he's looked okay. And a couple weeks ago, you know, he basically split the workload with uh, with Carson. So we'll see. Carson has that neck injury. Uh, I think we probably also need to talk about Khalil Herbert in Chicago, who took the like he had the same size workload. It was a it, huge workload. Same size workload though as Damian Williams. Uh, this past week. I I don't know that Chicago is going to have the luxury of running the ball 35, 36 times uh, in any given week. Probably not against uh, probably not against Green Bay in week six, but we'll see. And then I think we probably also need to uh, we need to bring up Kenneth Gainwell for the 19th time this season, uh, not because he's coming off a great week. He's not. He was relatively quiet against Carolina, but they've got they've got Tampa coming up. You can't run against Tampa. Um, several teams have abandoned the concept entirely. We've seen Philadelphia already abandon the run, um, like as soon as they get off the bus a time or two this season. So it feels like it might be one of those weeks where um, it's just a lot of action for Kenneth Gainwell as a receiver. How do you feel about that group? I mean, the case with Williams and Kansas City and Booker with the Giants is that these guys who could be starters, they could have a projectable touch for, you know, 15, 16 touches into a game. So we have to prioritize stuff like that. Yeah. I was encouraged by, I thought Herbert looked just as good in Chicago. I thought he looked just as good as Damian Williams. And the fact is that they've had three Justin Fields starts now and they don't want to throw any passing volume at him, nor do they want to run for, for whatever reason. I don't know when they're coming with this, when the real plays are coming in, but they're not running Justin Fields proactively at all. Well, you know what? He also got he also got banged up this week. Um, he hyperextend. Well, it looked like a knee hyperextension went to the sideline. Andy Dalton came in briefly and then Fields trotted back out. So I don't know how much of that was actually to protect him. Good point. Fair point. But I, I see three weeks of Chicago, and including the game against Cleveland where they got blown out. They're playing 1975 football where they're running the ball a very heavy percentage of the time. So I can tell myself a story where Herbert may have 10 touches in his back pocket going to the Green Bay game, which in a lot of my leagues, I can't, th- you know, this, this isn't the old days where it's like, oh, I'm going to have two running backs. You get 20 touches a week. That stuff's out the window now. You know, if, if, you, if you have a team like that, keep it to yourself. Nobody wants to hear about it, about how great <laughs> your team is with, with Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler or whatever. But um, I, I think Herbert has those 10 touches in his back pocket. The thing with Collins is that, I don't think I don't think it's capable of shoving Carson out of the way. I think that's going to be at best when they're For both sure. healthy a timeshare, and now it's a Geno Smith timeshare. To be fair, Smith played pretty well. I thought, all things considered, the interception wasn't his fault. He moved the ball against the Rams defense, and I'm starting to accept that maybe just you know I know it's top heavy with a couple of stars, but maybe that Rams defense isn't what I thought it was going to be. But I don't know. I don't think Seattle's going to be a total collapse show with Geno Smith. He, I mean, it's easy to make the joke, right? Oh, no, here comes Geno Smith. I thought he looked okay. He's got good receivers. 
I just don't think Collins can shove Carson out of the way. So with Williams, I have to prioritize Williams because I, I don't think I'm not a doctor, but that CEH injury looked bad. It looked like it was going to be multiple weeks. I would not be surprised if it's a season ender. So Williams has to be the guy we, again, you have to speak to, you have to play to what your situation is. If you're lucky at running back, if you have good running backs, you don't have to play the Williams game. If you're a one and four or two and three team that has you know, lost David Montgomery two weeks ago, maybe you just yep. lost CEH. You could be the team that has to go this route. You know, Booker, I, I've been underwhelmed by Booker almost his entire career that I just don't want to accept that he's had a good garbage time game against the Rams. It just screams out 39 total yards and a total <laughs> flop. You know, oh, I'll play him in DFS. Look how underpriced he is. And then he does nothing. And, and you know, Gamewell, I was proactive towards Gamewell, or at least open-minded towards Gamewell last week. And he got almost no touches. And Sanders actually got involved in the passing game. It went nowhere. I think he had like five catches for six yards. Yep. But this Philly team, they want to pass the, to set up the pass. And when they have a touchdown run, you know who it's going to be. It's going to be Jalen Hurts, who has turned into one of the greatest fantasy assets this year. He's just, even when he, when he plays well, he's a top five quarterback. When he plays poorly, he's like a top eight quarterback. He yep. has such a high floor with that rushing game. And, and he's also had like six touchdowns called back by penalty. And some of them were justly flagged a couple of them were ticky tack i feel like hurts could be even having a better season than he is and they have interesting receivers we know they're not going to run the ball against tampa bay and look what just happened right miles gaskin who, who hardly played the previous week just had 10 catches or nine or 10 catches two touchdowns it was like marshall falk against the buccaneers that's how they force you to play so i could see on a, in a, in a 14 16 18 team league you might be forced into a game well play I, I hope you don't have to go that route in a standard league i'm going to be proactive on williams unless I'm sitting with an embarrassment of riches. And I think Herbert is the underappreciated asset in this group. Yeah, I actually, I agree with you on the, uh, on the priorities here. The, the one, the one issue facing Herbert again is that it's not only, it's not only that it's Green Bay coming up, I think it's Tampa Bay after that, right? So they've got a, they've got a couple of games in a row where, you know, no matter what the Bears want to do, I'm sure the Bears want to pass the ball 20 times and run it 40 times. I just don't think they're going to have that luxury against those opponents, right? Because they can put up numbers against anybody. So I'd, I'd be a little surprised if uh, Justin Fields isn't forced to throw the ball 30 plus times at some point. Maybe we see a little bit more of the the playbook with uh, with Fields as a as a runner as well. But I think so you're doubling down on your Allen Robinson take. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> actually I think it's like Robinson has looked great. I don't yeah. I don't I don't even see the problem with Robinson because I don't think any team is going to be able to actually get away with passing the ball 18 times a game for the rest of the season. And they've got friendly spots coming up, so sure. I like the the other thing with the with the Robinson, the notion of Robinson as a buy low is that the trades that he's involved in are crazy. And listen, no, people always say oh it'll never happen in my league. But I, several days now, I've gone through the one-for-one one deals involving Allen Robinson, and Melvin Gordon keeps showing up, and Tyler Higby keeps showing up, and Jacoby Myers keeps showing up, and like I'm, of course, of course, yeah. I'm dealing for Allen Robinson if that's the if that's the cost. If I'm, you know, if we're talking about players that I don't even feel very good about starting anyway, and, and that I drafted in rounds, I don't know, seven through twelve, because that that's the price for Allen Robinson in one-for-one one trades right now, and he's he's like a sweetener in multiplayer deals too. So um, the price is so obscenely low. I, I got us off topic here. No, you got us off topic and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning into it. That's what happened here. Um, well, but yeah, again, it I speaks think... to what we said earlier where this is trading season and people, the Robinson owner could be, could be, could write off a week or two 
of poor performance in September and say, oh, it's early in the season. I'm not going to worry about it. People start panicking in week six. And let's pray on that panic. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm actually, I'm leaning hard into that. I've made offers for Robinson. I acquired him in one place and it hasn't been, you know, I, I haven't been able to, I haven't been so fortunate as to be able to trade Tyler Higby for Allen Robinson as others have. But uh, but that's that's what's going on right there in the Yahoo streets. It drives me crazy. I, I'm in one league. I don't, I don't want to say the person's name by... Uh, I don't want to identify the person, but I'm in one league where somebody has been trading left and right and making some trades that I think are just bizarre and not to their advantage. And then every time we negotiate, he, he's he's the hardest negotiator in the world. To crack. <laughs> you know, everybody else is just giving it away, just handing it out, and he's getting no candy left for me. It's very frustrating. Well, let's uh, let's switch to quarterback because uh, we've mentioned uh, you, you know we've mentioned Geno Smith a time or two, and I, I fundamentally agree with, uh, with with what you had to say about him. I thought he looked really good. Certainly, the best version of Geno Smith that I've seen immediately led a led a scoring drive right as soon as he came into the game. And you know, talk about a, a, a situation where you you can't reasonably expect to enter a game behind Russell Wilson, right? Who never misses any time. Um, but this is going to be multiple weeks of Geno Smith, and he's now the guy who gets to throw to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And so that means something. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, there have been reports that he might be able to return as early as four weeks. Uh, the initial timeline was like six to eight weeks. So it's a little open ended right now. Another quarterback injury that I suppose we have to mention, even though I, you know, it's gross and I hate to talk about it. Joe Burrow has a throat contusion, which is such a disgusting NFL-ish injury. Um, you know, that's every once in a while you see an injury in the NFL that is like, that is truly cringeworthy. Like when players suffer like kidney lacerations and stuff like this, it's just something about a throat contusion that makes me, you know, uh, a little, little queasy, uh, not, not, uh, don't, don't want any part of that. So anyway, we don't know Joe Burrow's status. Um, he obviously played through it, but couldn't speak to the media after the game. So we'll follow up on that this week. Um, I feel like the guys that I'm most interested in, other than Geno Smith, perhaps, are uh, Taylor Heineke. He's got that Kansas City defense coming up, and that's a gift. Trevor Lawrence has dropped to the 50% roster threshold where we can talk about him on this podcast, and he's got Miami coming up. Carson Wentz is going to have the Texans. Teddy Bridgewater is facing Vegas. I don't know. How do you feel about these guys? Yeah, I like Heineke. I think he might need a big game because it's been talked that Fitzpatrick isn't that far away, but what has Kansas City stopped? I feel like Heineke's got a good chance to maybe push for 300 yards, and he's still got playmakers. Gibson handled a lot of touches, even if he was less than 100%. Terry McLaurin is a chance to be a top-five receiver in any given week. So you know, with a lot of times with quarterback pickups, you're just looking to get through the what's in front of you. You know, I like to say you play fantasy football with generally with a microscope, not a telescope anyway. So Heineke, you know, Frank Schwab and I have a team where we lost Russell Wilson. We have Heineke. We're not delusional thinking Heineke's going to be our forever quarterback. We're just saying, hey, just go put up 24 points against Kansas City. I think you can do it. I know it's frustrating to watch the the Jaguars. You know, we used to talk in fantasy baseball about closers that you could roster, but please never watch them. That's kind of how <laughs> I feel about the Jaguars right now. I, I'll authorize your Trevor Lawrence pickup and start. Just please don't please don't watch this Jacksonville-Miami game. It, uh, it should not be televised. I'm petitioning the NFL as we speak. I can't sign off on wins. I know Houston is bad. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, I think the defense isn't maybe quite as bad as it's made out to be. I mean, the, the offense sells it down the river a lot. Uh, Houston probably should have beaten New England. Anybody who advanced with New England in elimination uh, pools or survivor pools you know, should feel pretty fortunate. But 
I don't trust this Indianapolis offense. They're coming in off a short week, and Wentz hasn't looked healthy to me. The thing with Bridgewater is I never see a big upside for him, but if if you'd be happy with 255 or 216, a couple of touchdowns, I feel like Teddy Bridgewater, you can pencil that in right now. The problem is when you consider that Bridgewater doesn't run a lot and he doesn't have a huge passing upside, that doesn't really get started in today's game where somebody in your yeah. you know, half the, the managers in your league are going to get either huge passing numbers or a sprinkling of running and passing numbers. You know, there's the Lamar Jackson's in the league, the Kyler Murray's in the league. We talked about Hertz, who's been fantasy royalty. Man is uh, the Chargers, just the way Herbert's playing, Josh Allen, on and on and on. Mahomes is always going to put his numbers up. I know he just had a disappointing game, but I mean, he's he's such a god. Tom Brady's playing out of his mind. So Bridgewater, you start him, you're like, okay, I'm hoping to get a top 12 performance. I know it's probably going to be like quarterback 15, quarterback 16. That's okay if you can live with the rest of your roster that you know, maybe you can live with Bridgewater just being okay. That It's probably easier to throw against Vegas than it is to run against them, although the, the Bears certainly didn't try to. But you know, if 260 and two will do it for you, Teddy Bridgewater is ready to provide that. Yeah, I think that's well said. It's why I, I always I always mention Teddy Bridgewater, it feels like, in the pickups column, kind of in the also-rans, you know, in the honorable mentions, but I never I never really write him up. Uh, for exactly the reason you mentioned, you just, you just expect like 245 and a touchdown or two each week and they're competitive and the offense moves and everything's fine, but he lacks that rushing juice that you need. And he also lacks the, you know, four touchdown upside, you know, I give me, give me the wild variability of Taylor Heineke in a week like this, in a matchup with Kansas city to me, to me, he's the clear target of, of the of the players who are widely available. And I guess I could make a case for Trevor Lawrence, who has a little bit of rushing upside himself, but of the players who are just widely available uh, for, for me, it's Heineke uh, in part because Kansas city is just such a gift. I'm sure Kansas city's offense is going to look at this as a get right game. They're going to put up a ton of points against Washington, a, a really disappointing defense on the season. And uh, it's just so easy to see a path here to like 340 passing yards and multiple touchdowns for Heineke. And he's got a little rushing upside himself. Um, we don't, you know, it's not the first thing we think of with him, but this is two games in a row with, with 40 rushing yards. I want to say. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater has never played with his hair on fire and Taylor Heineke's hair yeah. has never not been on fire. He plays <laughs> every play. Like it's the last snap of his career. And, and he runs with no – he runs with reckless abandon with no concern for his body. Uh, he's always trying to fight to get an extra yard. He's the type of guy who would you – know, if Taylor Heineke were a baseball player, he'd slide to first base you know? <laughs> in, in a 10-2 game, by the way. I mean he, he just he just plays with a, a certain recklessness and, and joie de vivre. It, it actually reminds me a lot of Fitzpatrick. And you know there are good yeah. things and bad things you can say about players who play like that. But it, against Kansas City, I think it's going to be a – I could easily see Heineke being like, oh, hey, look, Tyler Heineke was uh, was quarterback five this week. I think that's certainly in play. I feel to some extent like I've buried the lead here because I, I feel like the most interesting player on the waiver wire is actually a wide receiver. And I've waited, you know, almost almost 30 minutes into the podcast to talk about it. Um, at the receiver position this week, we had a couple of notable injuries. Kenny Galladay hyperextended his knee. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster going to be going to be lost for the season with a shoulder injury requiring surgery. Tyreek Hill uh, picked up a, a knee issue of as yet unknown severity um, mentioned in uh, in postgame comments. We got to lead this discussion with Kadarius Tony, and we probably have to separate him from the rest of the receivers because um, there, there's just like I know that Galladay, you know, exited the game and Shepard was out and Slayton was out and all that. There's no way they can avoid giving 
Kadarius Tony like eight targets a game from this point forward, right? He's just he's just absolutely electric. Both last week uh, and the week before, he's he's had some highlights that are just unlike almost anybody uh, those of anybody else in the league. Yeah, you know what I like about Tony is that I, I want first round picks to look like first round picks. I always feel yeah, like they should yeah. identify them, even if you weren't told. Hey, one of these guys is a first round pick. Uh, can you identify them? Because some guys just never look like it. God knows Nikhil Harry never looked like it. But Tony looks like the the guy who should get picked first on the playground. He looks that talented. And man, I mean, Dave Gettleman, draft genius, right? I mean, you know, he was getting panned <laughs> for that pick. And then the Giants said, well, we have really good depth at receiver. It's, it's probably going to be a slow year for Tony. We're not going to expect a lot from him. Well, injuries have changed that narrative. Uh, of course, we hope Daniel Jones can be healthy because I, I don't know how much we can expect the Glenn and the Tony thing to, to really. And I'm curious also how the Rams will approach this, right? If, if there are significant injuries sure. on the Giants, maybe Tony becomes the Jalen Ramsey project. And you know that'll be a, a major challenge for him early in his career. But he's flashed. He's looked like a first round pick. I feel sheepish that I don't have any Tony shares anywhere. And, and now if I want to get them, I have to elbow people out of the way and, and spend a bunch of fab. But it's certainly justified as for the other names on this list, I mean, look, this is the Tim Patrick show. We always mention Tim Patrick. He <laughs> performs. I feel like about 75% of the time you get what you wanted from Tim Patrick. He has a clunker for game every once in a while. Like I think he did two I, weeks ago. To your ago. point, he has either 80 yards or a touchdown in four or five games. Yep, that's that's your Tim Patrick. You know you know what you're going to get. I feel good about that. I don't know if Hunter Renfro priced out if he rostered out of this list because he's one of the few players in the league who has five catches every game. If you want five for 64 and no touchdown, uh, which is actually useful in bye weeks and deeper leagues, I feel like Hunter Renfro can help you. I just don't know where he fits in. The thing with Marcus Callaway, I know he had two touchdowns. Saints don't play this week. One of the touchdowns was on a Hail Mary. There's going to be weeks where they unplug Jameis and they want to win on defense. They want to win running the ball. I still don't trust the Saints passing game. Callaway was a a guy who... Not that, not that there are people banging down your door for Callaway, but if I could ever flip him or use him as a sweetener to get a deal done, man, would I do that in two seconds. And St. Brown is another guy, Lions, right? I mean, one week it's Raymond, one week it's Cephas. I know Cephas got hurt in week five. Uh, St. Brown was their best receiver, and teams are looking like they're prioritizing Hawkinson, you know, the Iowa tight end, right? You got to make sure you take him out of the game. Uh, <laughs> well, wasn't a good week for Iowa tight ends, by the way. Kittle didn't play. Um, we didn't see much out of Hawkinson and I don't think Fant did much for Denver, but uh, I, I guess, you know, they were all excited about the win on Saturday and they didn't have much left on game day. <laughs> I just feel Kittle like that, was so excited. He's going to have to take three weeks off. Yeah. There you go. I, I, I feel like chasing Lions receiver production is just a losing game. I, I, I don't think there's going to be a pattern here. It might be right. I added him because he's got he's got eight targets in two games in a row. So it's not, you know, I, I feel like I held off last week and now it's basically the same volume in this game. So I tossed him in there. But at, at best, he's the fourth most talented player yeah. on an offense run by Jared Goff. That's always the running backs are always going to get a huge share. Hawkinson is still I mean, there's going to be weeks where he has nine or ten targets or he has the touchdown equity. And even though I think the Lions are a competitive team and I respect Dan Campbell, I mean, I mean, have they gotten this 1917 thing down to a science? They lost to oh. Dempsey's kick in 70, uh, get, you know, new record. They lose at 1917. Then Justin Tucker does that two weeks ago. And, and then the Minnesota kicker nails like a 54 yarder. I mean, after Detroit did everything right, they'd score the touchdown. They go for two. I feel like Dan Campbell's really got this team playing hard and yet they, they can't seem to get the results. I, you know, the Lions just, man, when, when they talk about tortured franchises, 
I mean, at least like the Browns can say, well, we got to the AFC championship game before LA had the drive against us or Ernest Biner fumbled or, you know, the Vikings have lost four Super Bowls. What do the Lions have? They have these signature regular season losses, usually on some (laughs) obscure rule that nobody understands or a field goal making a kick, field goal kicker making a kick from the moon. That's how the Lions lose. I I feel like we need to mention them. I just they're they're a pesky team. They're playing hard. They're they're covering more often than not. I, I think they deserved a better fade against Chicago two weeks ago when Campbell was aggressive in the red zone. They got nothing out of it. But I think St. Brown is going to be one of these guys who has two targets, is three targets this week, and then everybody's dropping him in Moss. I would not pick him up unless I absolutely desperation forced me into that. Yeah, I I will simply say that I I think the I think the pool at receiver this week is Kadarius Tony and it's everybody else. Like Tony everybody is still else. out there in about eighty five percent of Yahoo leagues. Um, again, has just looked absolutely electric in, in his last two games. As soon as we you know as soon as he really hit the field and started making plays, he I mean he's he's just moving at a different rate of speed from everybody else. It's like he you know, but in the time that you're able to make two moves, he's made three or four or five. Right, like he's just. And it's it's rare to see that in the NFL because they're all such uh, absurd athletes. But he is he is hyper athletic by NFL standards. Um, what do you? I want to like, mention Renfro. Pardon me one second. Renfro sure. just checked his forty five percent. So again, I'm not saying there's a blow up spot for Hunter Renfro, but if if six for sixty four will make you happy, he's ready to do that this week, and he's available. Oh no, yeah, he's Kirkland signature Cole Beasley, right? Like that's and there's a place for that. <laughs> Especially because I'm going to be I'm going to be telling you to drop Cole Beasley in about five minutes. So, (laughs) what do you think uh, when all Giants receivers are back? Do you trust the team to continue to feature Tony? I do actually. I I know trusting Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones has gotten us into some strange ditches before, but uh, I think Tony's been too electric for them to to turn. I think the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah, um, I hope that's right. And it might just be wish casting there, but I certainly hope that's right because I can't imagine sending this player back to, you know, a, a sort of part-time role. He just looks too good. I will say uh, we're recording this uh, without knowing necessarily what what sort of discipline he might face for one of the dumbest things a player can do, which is to hit somebody in the helmet. Um, he threw a, threw a punch, got ejected late in his breakout game, which really unfortunate. And again, just did just about the dumbest thing that a player could do on the field and is lucky not to have broken his hand. Yeah, we saw what Devin Williams, the Milwaukee reliever, punched a wall. You know, don't yeah. punch walls. The walls always win. Don't punch helmets. The helmet is going to win that 100 <laughs> times out of 100. You know, you the helmet like, is really don't punch anything. But if you if you have to punch something, punch punch a pillow or punch something soft, you know, punch a couch. You know, I don't, don't know if the helmet is undefeated, but it's pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah, pretty close to it. Yeah. Um, let's hit let's hit tight ends as well. We've sure. got Max Williams. Fun position, a, Mandy. Uh, Fun we've position. Got Max Williams with a, with I have a no 100 significant knocks. injury. I, uh, Dawson Knox sucks. You have no Dawson Knox? No, unlike your daughter, who has all the Dawson Knox. Tell My daughter does have all the Dawson Knox. I have the rest of Dawson Knox. I've got a lot of Dawson Knox. It, it sucks. It helped to, you know, whatever. We were just we were just spinning the wheel with tight ends coming into this season. Yep. And, you know, you could have been wildly wrong on, like, Blake Jarwin, or you could have been right on Dawson Knox. It's not like Knox is getting incredible volume, but, wait, but, but he's wait sure minute, catching passes in the right places. I know Kansas City sure helped, Okay. But it looks like Dawson Knox has graduated from, oh, he's got touchdown equity. He's going to get five targets a week. Maybe one of them's in the red zone. So like now it's like a play breaks down and there's Josh Allen letting it rip to Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox just had, I believe, Buffalo's best tight end yardage game since the merger. The merger was in 1970. Okay, (laughs) sorry, Jay Remus, but Dawson Knox is going to erase all memory of you. 
Plus, we have to listen to Mark Stopin talking about this every week. I love you, Stopes. You know, he, he is dining out on the Dawson Knox experience. I swear <laughs> I had Dawson Knox shares. I had shares of him last year, like in best ball and stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. He was on that team with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. You know, it's the second year. Maybe he'll get better. And what he did is get worse. But the third-year tight end, you thought it was going to be Hawkinson and Fant. The third-year tight end to get was Dawson Knox. And I am being shut out of this. I, I may actually have to overbid in a trade to get Dawson Knox because I have so much FOMO on this, Andy. That's that's a fear of missing out. Um, yeah, I have uh, I have FOMO. I have lucked into having Dawson Knox in many of the leagues where I just lost George Kittle. So I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm doing fine there. I feel that's like, a fifty. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a dollar for dollar you know replacement. Right. I feel like I ha- actually have a problem when Kittle comes back, or maybe I just have a trade ship. I probably just have a trade ship. Let's talk about some other names at tight end. Uh, Hunter Henry. Now, I guess I'm I feel like I'm forced to talk about Hunter Henry because forced. he's got touchdowns two weeks in a row. David Njoku is coming off a huge game. I, I trust that you will tell us to stay away from Brown's receivers because, man, it's a different guy each week and there's not a lot of target volume there. And they're one of these odd teams like perhaps the Bears are, but Cleveland can actually actually execute on it where they, they just want to run the ball 45 times and they, <laughs> they want to let Baker throw it like 15 times. So I'm going to have a difficult time placing any bids on David Njoku. I doubt I do it, but um, we have to talk about a guy who's coming off 100-yard games with a score. Ricky Seals-Jones had a relatively quiet day, but plenty of targets. I want to say eight targets in that one. He's playing in relief of Logan Thomas right now. And he's got got Kansas City coming up on the schedule, and that is friendly. And then I suppose we have to mention Zach Ertz as well, who is consistently getting targets, if not always making a lot of noise with them. I know it's generally a mistake to imagine trades that NFL teams should make, but Arizona just lost Williams. Sounds like the Mm. season. They should go to one of these teams, especially a team out of conference, right? Because NFL teams hate to trade with division rivals or, or teams that they're challenging for playoff spots with. You know, like when Bill Belichick traded Garoppolo, yeah, trade him to San Francisco. Get him completely out of our hair so we never have to worry about it. They, they, you know, again, they just traded um, their defensive back, Stephon Gilmore, to Carolina. If I'm Arizona, I'm calling the Browns and saying, look, you get all these tight ends. You don't need all of them. How about David Njoku for you know conditional yeah. – fourth round pick or something like that I, I that would clean up cleveland a little bit maybe get hooper back and play maybe in joku could could be something for arizona interestingly they're playing arizona maybe that will help the trade talks that they'll be in the same proximity for you know 72 hours or 48 hours whatever it is the thing with hunter henry is wouldn't johnny smith only ran a handful of routes like maybe five routes in that Houston game. I think they like Johnny Smith more as a football player than they do necessarily as a receiver. Yeah, man, they so, gave him a lot of money to serve as a lead blocker Right. Well, and man, do they need that blocking? Because I think they were down three or four offensive line starters in that game. So Hunter Henry has become more of the move tight end, the catching tight end. Um, we've, we've always thought of Henry as more of a pass catcher than a blocker anyway. So I think he's in a good spot against Dallas. I get it. It's hard to invest in this New England offense. I, mean, I, I think Mac Jones has been just fine, but it's all conservative. It's all throwing under the umbrella of the defense. Every Patriot drive has to have 14 plays. They have no explosiveness <laughs> in this offense. They never make a splash play. They never like, oh, you know, they never they never cut the red zone. You see Mac Jones dialing up deep to somebody. It's 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 doesn't work out. I mean, if they showed that, it would be because of some unusual thing happened that it, it hit the mascot on the sideline or the cheerleader caught it or something. There's yes, no Mac Jones yes. deep highlights. So uh, Hunter Henry. Some touchdown equity. I think he's moved ahead of Smith in the pecking order. And because the receivers are so weak there, even Jacoby Myers is okay. I think he'd have the worst allergic reaction in the world if he ever scored a touchdown. But, you know, he's, he's fine with the target <laughs> volume 
So I'll put Henry at the at the front of this list. And I think Ricky Seals-Jones followed the targets. I know they didn't lead to anything last week. But Kansas City has shown they're an escort right now. They will get yes. you anywhere you want to go. And, again, they made Dawson Knox look like, you know, you know peak Tony Gonzalez on, on Sunday night. So I, I think who's Ricky to say Seals- he's not, who's to say he's not Who's to say you're right. It's really hard to tell those two players apart. So uh, <laughs> Ricky Sills Jones, who was a, he's still in the league player about two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. He's still in the league. And I, I predict he'll be in the Liz Lowe's sleeper column again this week. And he'll probably have like <laughs> 65 yards and a touchdown. I'm, I'm in on RSJ. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. No interest in Zach Ertz. None. I can't talk you into Zach Ertz. I, it's just hard when there's a better tight end on the roster. And there's yeah. better receivers on the roster. And whenever they score a touchdown, you know, oh, yeah, it's another Jalen Hurts touchdown run, isn't it? I will say Dallas Goddard had just a killer drop this last week. I'm not I'm not sure what the gap is between Goddard and Hurts, to be honest. Is Philadelphia a competitive team? Are they a bad team? I can't make up my mind on Philadelphia. I don't have the faintest idea. I also don't know. Like, I'm riding Jalen Hurts everywhere. Like, I've got a ton of Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he's good. And if Doesn't you made me good. he's fantasy. Yeah, good. if you if you made me pick, I'm I'm not sure that I would actually say that he's like I'm hopeful for him because I've I've certainly seen plenty of players uh improve at that position. Like I, I never thought Josh Allen had a chance to arrive at what he's what, what he's become. Not to say that obviously that Jalen Hurts has any of those physical traits. Um he doesn't, but he's, you know, he, a ton of misfires, sales a bunch of throws. Even the completed throws, it's it's often not exactly where you'd you'd like an NFL quarterback to place the ball, and none of it matters at the end of the day because, as you say, if he has a great week, he's a top three quarterback. If he has a bad week, he's like a top eight quarterback. Let me just mention because he popped in my head. I know we're far removed from the running back situation, but Joe Mixon wasn't 100% healthy in the Cincinnati game. He did get a rushing touchdown, but it seems like they like Samaje Pirine as their receiving back. And maybe Mixon has some kind of re-aggravation or aggravation, I guess I should say. Samaji Piran is a good guy to have. Uh, he's a good lottery ticket for your bench. I think Samaji Piran is somebody I would like to have proactively rostered in like 12-team leagues if he's available. He's, I, I think guessing his ownership is probably – his roster ship is probably about a third of Yahoo leagues, I'm guessing. I don't know that yeah. off the top of my head. But uh, he'd be somebody I'd be looking to add on the cheap. Yeah, I guess I didn't give him a hearty endorsement because I kind of lump him into that quality of runner as, you know, Devontae Booker, but he's got no path to that many touches in the week ahead. Um, I, like, I think, a, I don't personal opinion, I think a healthy Joe Mixon, not that he's there yet, he's not healthy right now, but of course. I think a healthy Joe Mixon is, I don't know, two or three times the player that Samaje Ryan is. I'd be surprised if Ryan, um actually retains this. Like, I feel more optimistic about Collins retaining some significant fraction of his role that he has right now than uh, than I do with P. Ryan. I, I guess maybe I misspoke. I, I'm not necessarily saying that P. Ryan will ever be playable when Mixon's healthy, but right now Mixon we know isn't healthy. And yeah. it would only take a little bit furthering of that injury or that physical status for P. Ryan to maybe be a starter. And then he becomes the lead item on this podcast next week. So 20, I just checked, 27% rostered in Yahoo. So I think he's a good guy. I don't think you're going to play him in week six, but he's somebody who I would like to speculate with a bench spot. All right, tell me more about, because we always give the people uh, a drop or two before we, uh, before we leave the pickups, uh, the pickups pod. Um, tell me more about this Cole Beasley drop that you're contemplating. Sure. Uh, I'm not just contemplating it. I'll authorize it. Give me, give me the sell ticket and I'll, I'll sign it. You know, this is, uh, I'm like Vin Diesel at the end of Boiler Room. I'll sign that sell ticket. Get Harvey Vinard is his money back. Three games where Cole Beasley has been target invisible. He still doesn't have a touchdown. This is an offense where Dawson Knox is a thing. Emmanuel Sanders is a thing. You're not going to play Beasley against Tennessee. And then they get a bye week. 
And here's the thing with players like Beasley. If we're multiple weeks away from you even squinting and seeing him having value, then, then how can you hold him? Are you going you know, to wait for him to eventually have a, a Hunter Renfro game? You know, to have that seven for, for 71 game with no touchdown? Just get Hunter Renfro. He's basically Cole Beasley anyway, except maybe you can play him right now. There's too many pieces in front of... If I told you Buffalo to score a touchdown, you'd be like, oh, Knox again? Oh, was it was it Diggs? Oh, was it Josh Allen? Did, did, did Moss get a touchdown? You know, Cole Beasley would be like the last guy you'd think of. Sanders, you know? There's too many people in front of him. And I know we, we want to go where the points are, but what is he, option six in this offense? And plus, he's in his 30s anyway. I mean, I realize he's, he's younger than Sanders. They played together in college, actually. Uh, Cole Beasley should be dropped, even without a corresponding ad. This is your therapeutic job. Yeah, you know, I was going to try to offer a rebuttal here, but I'm looking at the the the. It's a wild ride for Cole Beasley uh, managers in in terms of targets so far this year. He opens the season with 13, and then it's four, and then it's 13 again, and then in each of the last two games, two targets. Um, and, and I got I I guess I have to concede the point if <laughs> if it's likely that a player is going to receive two to four targets and they're going to be relatively low yield targets. We know that Cole Beasley isn't streaking down the field. So these aren't, these aren't deep shots. They're taking to Cole Beasley under, under normal circumstances. And again, you're not starting him this week and then his value can never go up during the bye week. Right. So also here's the thing too. Okay. So you drop Beasley. If your roster may have a composition where you add him later and people don't realize he's been dropped, maybe you, you could add him during your bye week if you felt so inclined, if your roster suddenly had a, a need that way. I, I'm not saying you might not add him later, but you, this is going to be a slow developing story. It, it's going to take a prove-it game from Beasley before you're ever going to want to start him again. And even if he had it against Tennessee, you can't start him next week. So the first time he'll be playable for you in a perfect scenario is week eight. We can't wait that long for guys like this who have modest upsides. There's no touchdown upside for Beasley, not the way the team is currently constructed. So, again, I'm not even saying you have to add anybody. Just drop them right now. I took a much more cowardly path with my drop, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you to – usually do I'm going to, per my usual, um, I'm, I'm giving you uh, clearance, if you haven't already done it, to drop Trey Sermon, who had one carry – uh, with Elijah Mitchell back in the fold uh, and played two offensive snaps. Um, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the snap counts right now. He played played 11 special team snaps, so that's something. Um, Great, your special teams leagues. Yeah, exactly two offensive snaps. Uh, so if there was any thought that his 89 yard rushing performance a couple weeks ago had done anything to um, toss him back into any sort of committee mix, apparently not. Apparently, it is the Elijah Mitchell show, uh, at least for the time being, until I don't know who gets healthy. Who's who's there to get healthy? Hasty, Wilson, there's names. Perhaps they trade for someone, but for now, it sure looks like that's the Elijah Mitchell show. Plus, they're, they're going into their bye week, so it's not like Sermon's value can rise during the bye week. They're not going to play a football yeah. game. When Lance is playing, the alarming thing about this team was Atlanta had 16 carries. I know I don't know if all of them were, were called runs, but a lot. I, I thought that was a crazy high number. Yeah, San Francisco could have won that game, too. They defended Arizona so well. But the, Lance looked like yeah. a player who – it's funny. You watch Lance, and on a couple of snaps, it's like, oh, you see why he went third overall. And a couple other snaps, you see that he's 21 years old and really didn't play football last year. He played one game, I think it was. So you can you can kind of pick your own story. Whatever narrative you want to push with Trey Lance is pushable. <laughs> but I'm curious to see what they come out with after the bye week, but it's not going to be, oh, Trey Sermon's our featured back. He he needs again, once once a player you're not sure of, if he's if he's on the borderline of being cut and then he's into his bye week, you might as well just cut him and get something that somebody who can actually appreciate and value in the coming week. 
It is a really interesting number in terms of carries for Trey Lance, because I, I'm not sure, you know, in the era of Lamar Jackson, I'm not sure people understand how rare it is for a, for a quarterback to have 15 or 16 carries in a game. I mean, it just simply doesn't happen. It's like only Lamar in the last, you know, 40 years. And there's a couple of other isolated games. You know, there's like a Tebow game out there. There might be a Jalen Hurts game. Um, and now there's a Trey Lance game. But it's we don't see that. Like, quarterbacks don't do that outside of Jackson. I think they save it up. I, my, my friend Steve Gleason was talking about how Josh Allen was used in the Kansas City game, and he was speculating that maybe they save this stuff up, some designed runs that because they don't want they know mm, they don't want yeah. Allen to run ten times a game. They don't want their franchise player being hit, even as the NFL is legislated. You can't even look at a quarterback with ill intent these days. You'll, you'll draw a flag. Certainly, you would have drawn it last night. But uh, you're right. That's that's <laughs> sixteen carries for. I'm going to do some fun with uh, football reference and, and do some searches on that. But it's it's not a sustainable business model, and I think. Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan, in an honest moment, you know, coaches never want to tell us the truth. He, do you want your quarterback running the ball two hundred times in a year? No, of course he doesn't. You know, it's not the way they want to play. I think it's the way it fell in this particular game. I know some of those runs were scrambles. I haven't got a chance to rewatch the tape yet. I'm not sure if I have the heart to rewatch it because <laughs> San Francisco just man, that game was there to be won. Man, I they were one of my picks and darts, and it was just frustrating because Arizona was doing nothing. It's like this game. Arizona's trying to lose this game to you, and they couldn't do it, but. I will sign off that sermon is certainly somebody to cut for sure. All right, people, that's going to do it. Go get Daryl Williams. Go get Taylor Heineke. Go get Kadarius Tony. For the love of God, go get Kadarius Tony. Um, that is going to do it for this episode. We're going to keep the conversation going on Twitter. However, you can follow me at Andy Barons. Follow him, certainly. It's at Scott underscore Pianowski. Uh, for fantasy news and analysis from the whole team, make sure you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, and hey, you can get overreactions to a great college, like a great college. Some are saying the greatest ever college football weekend, go Hawks, um, from Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our good friend Pat Forty from SI on the latest episode of the College Football Inquirer. You can search for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Scott is going to be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab for the betting preview of week six. Until then, we are out. When you say go Hawks, you mean go Blackhawks, right? Blackhawks. No, no, sir. I do not. What, what Hawks do you mean? Specify. What Hawks are you talking about? <laughs> America's Hawks. America's Hawks.